Hello, lovely people. So, how are you all doing today? Well, there are waves and another waves. So, I hope you're taking good care and observing all precautions for people around you and everyone else. So, while we get on to introduce our this week's guest with you, let me welcome you. Welcome one and all ladies and gentlemen to this lovely episode and we have not one we have two guests uh, I can see those <laughs> and we will introduce you to them very soon so our guest today is a real estate investor a graduate from UCLA Diana Brandt welcome to the show Diana hi how are you I am good I am good so how have you been keeping? Very well. Uh, and I know that you have worked extensively in financial sector. You've been a CFO and now you are a speaker and educator, writer and a business consultant. So actually I call all that, you know, a serial entrepreneur. And yes, you have series of qualifications too. So yes, without much ado, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Diana Brandt. Please go ahead. Floor is yours. Okay. Yes. So nice meeting everybody. And I basically started a nonprofit in the mm -hmm. summer of 2008. Mm -hmm. And it's offering public educational outreach. Mm -hmm. It's transitioned to green community. Mm -hmm. And it was really with this idea that I wanted to learn more about what it meant to go eco-sustainable. And I thought, well, I'll bring others along through my educational process. And that's how the organization started. I brought in uh, people also from city council, officer of education came in. And at the end, she said, this shouldn't just be a group gathering. You should really make this a nonprofit. So I went ahead and I did that. And what we do is we hold public educational forums where we bring in two guest host speakers mm -hmm. and they're usually the topic uh, is complementary to both of them so they're not set up in a competitive setting so for example cars of the future we brought in a car engineer and a car designer wow. and they talked about how cars are going to be in the future which is very cool because for me the big drive is innovation mm -hmm. and for us to be able to figure out where the gaps are. If we can, as uh, we all have the ability to be very creative, even if you're not, if you don't have an engineering background, you can still think of how can I solve this problem? If the problem has been primarily throw a lot of plastic into our waste uh, system and it gets overloaded and ends up in landfill and somehow also into our waterways Very true. then we need to work on packaging different ways to package stuff mm -hmm. and if we can do that figure out these materials that are going to biodegrade but not right when we are actually having them in our our homes uh, that's going to be very useful to us and the environment that's, that's do you have uh, any ideas on that oh yes uh, 
not not too much of idea yes uh, yet the environment is a, a concern very close to my heart too and uh, i was uh, while serving and later on as a consultant i was working in the northeast part of the india which is kind of grappling with the quite a few ailments especially the colon related and uh, yes carcinoma is one of the largest and uh, quite a few things that uh, are causing that were actually related to the environment and the pollutants that we are creating plastic is one big big one of them and you wouldn't believe uh, it did happen that uh, one day i was sitting in my office as i sipped uh, wanted to sip uh, you know water i found it had a peculiar smell which is which was kind of a you know acidic kind so i said oh i would want to check this out i went and looked at this uh, water purifier water filter can and i saw that probably it was stacked in the sun somewhere for ages god knows and that is how oh. it had really changed the properties so imagine this is right. what we are drinking day in and out today without realizing yeah. and the, it's not only that there's so much of pollutants that go into our system uh, by the way of the food that we intake but anyway i leave it to maybe some other time and some other show where i am the guest <laughs> i am the guest so Uh-oh. yes so so once you again are, you're the guest on your show <laughs> and once again <laughs> welcome to the show we call it know the happiness how with vinko chao and as the name suggests Uh, this is the show that uh, where we air meaningful conversations keep them light in order to bring a smile on the faces to kind of lighten up the moods and bring a cheer uh, into the lives of all those youth uh, professionals executives and people who've been grappling you know with the negativity in their own workspaces and especially we target them to the people who living in big cities and all this idea came to me uh, while i was working as a coach so uh, today we are going to be talking about something related to uh, happiness and how we can sustain it around in our quarters and we'll see if we can dwell upon small little points here and there as to hows of happiness what's of happiness and why's of happiness so uh, i look forward to this uh, i have a feeling very very enlightening session this uh, is going to be as i know little bit of background of yours so uh, i know you come from northridge california and you uh, were kind of brought up in the environment of hollywood uh, yeah. i am correct correct me I if actually, i'm actually <laughs> okay there's a Yeah, I was I was born and raised in Hollywood, California. Uh-huh. And so I spent most of my my life in Hollywood and the San Fernando Valley, mm-hmm. which is a uh, part of LA County. Mm-hmm. And I also took courses out at Cal State Northridge. So that's right. why Northridge comes up on my profile. Okay. Okay. But I yeah. Yeah. So Hollywood my parents were both actors. and my mom came out of musical theater and then she became an agent where she was representing actors mm-hmm. and my stepfather who mm-hmm. raised me he did uh, national commercials he was in television and feature films he was uh on the godfather part 2 personal so friends I, with uh, I, danny I'm, De, I'm, danny I'm, devito and sly I'm, stallone 
Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Big so, names. So yes, very big names yeah. actually. So um, uh, I, I shouldn't be surprised if you tell me that you have worked in some some bit here and there in the Hollywood. Have you? Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, my family didn't want my. I didn't really want my my uh, brothers and for me to get involved in it. But we actually, at different times in our life, we did find ourselves in the industry. I worked in post production. I started uh -huh. in. It's all behind the scenes, and they call it the boys' club. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, how did I get into the boys' club? <laughs> but it was uh, for sound editing and picture editing. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my older, I have three brothers. So the eldest of the three, he worked as a special effects designer on shows like Batman and Spider-Man. And then I've got some other brothers that went into acting. They did some acting as well. All right. Yeah. So, 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 and yeah. and so, if I may ask you, I'm a little intrigued, and I'm sure um, the uh, viewers and the listeners also would be when they watch it to um, ask you as to how did you end up in the kind of boys' club and not in front of the camera? <laughs> Never thought of that. Well, I did. I did a little in front of the camera as well. Right. My mother, when I I was very young I guess All I right. was like eight or nine and uh -huh. she had us first on radio there is okay. an ad called um, it was basically about uh, jeans for kids and they turned this song London Bridges into London Britches okay. so as kids we were supposed to sing it mm -hmm. London Britches <laughs> and so you Which were was cute. So we sporting did that. those britches there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were sporting the britches. And then I did some modeling, hat modeling. I did a lot of print work. And oh. uh, I did a couple of um, foreign distribution commercials for cigarettes. I think it was Belmont cigarettes. Okay. And I don't smoke. And I should. And then I realized as I got older, hey, I don't really want to represent stuff right. that that isn't healthy mm -hmm. yeah all right so so from yeah. there uh, to you know getting into uh, real estate becoming a real estate investor then founding an organization and that too with a very serious purpose behind it so what is what is the story there would you want to tell us a little more about it about your yeah, mission I, I sure so, well, it wasn't so much a mission when I got into real estate. Mm -hmm. It basically is a family business. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, again, my mother and my grandmother, they partnered and became investors first. And they invested in a lot of property. So when I was about 25, they made me the chief financial officer. Oh. And it was for their business. They had over 50 units mm -hmm. and 22 of them were luxury units so anywhere from 1200 to 1800 square feet that's huge and uh anyway i was not hands-on at the time i was still taking college courses and i was managing all the books for them and you know it's really neat so i all learned right. that and then 
I did escrow. I was pre-law, so I also worked in the executive offices okay. of a couple of banks. Okay. Yeah. And then I basically got myself into um, buying property on my own. Okay. So I have residential income properties. Okay. And over the years, I've helped a lot of people in the nonprofit sector small businesses they're primarily the ones that support transition to green community and i've just for nothing helped a lot of people with making that transition in their companies so okay. the mission there as a business consultant which is separate from the nonprofit, mm -hmm. is showing people how to optimize obviously their bottom line as well mm -hmm. as making that transition to eco more sustainable practices that can be in the actual workings of their business and also represented in the service or product that they are uh, representing. That's, that's very interesting and oh, we'll gosh. get to that a little later. But before that, I'm just wondering and I'm thinking from, mm -hmm. uh, is it something like from one boys club to another boys club? How's this, how challenging oh, is this? <laughs> no, no, not that. I'm just wondering uh, how challenging is this uh, real estate investment business and the properties that you're holding? And, you know, I'm sure these are rental properties or are you getting that? I can give you an example. All right. Oh, please yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I, I get up very early and I meet with different, uh, contractors mm -hmm. so it is another boys club and I usually have to meet them at 7 a.m 8 okay. a.m oh and get them all set up in different units that are either vacant or where repairs need to be made or just general maintenance of the property mm -hmm. and I'm I really work out in the field which I enjoy and I'm a people person but a lot of the people I'm meeting are men and <laughs> I'm having coffee with a, a lot of men <laughs> and I dress in a way that's uh, very uh, tomboyish. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Right. I put on my sweat, my sweat clothes, my, my jeans and my uh, uh, boots. All right. So, yes. It looks, yes. Uh, lo it looks like you have to kind of tame a lot of people and maybe, and so, so uh, you you were speaking about you know helping a multitude of uh, business owners launching their dreams, and uh, people who probably would have never thought of uh, you know owning a business or starting a business. You've helped them. How easy or difficult uh, it was for you, or is it for you? And also at the same time, how easy and difficult it is for them to small-time business owners or small-time people who don't have so much of resources to start that business up front? And how do you approach it? Well, I'm not a life coach, but I still believe very strongly in mindset. Mm -hmm. And what I discover is that a lot of people, what's holding them back is actually their attitude on things. And they're not looking at the possibilities. They're looking at all the obstacles. So if you can turn it around and think in terms of, okay, I have these obstacles that I'm going to overcome, and these are the opportunities that it's going to provide for me if I keep moving forward and being proactive. And I believe in meditation. There's all different types of meditation. 
I personally do a chant meditation, but some people have said, I've tried a meditation. It doesn't really work for me. So then I ask, do you have any particular type of physical activity that you enjoy, such as taking long walks? That can be very meditative. Very Doing true. that first thing in the morning, because our biorhythm, it, it basically is set up for us to wake up in the morning and a lot of people make the mistake of working out in the evening. When you do that, it just wakes you up. It throws your whole time system off so that you'll end up wanting to stay up later. So if you want to be in rhythm where you get up early in the morning and then go to bed around 9 or 10 p.m., uh, then you should work out in, ideally in the morning. First thing, I, I basically will meditate when I wake up and have that eight ounce glass of water or a tea. And then right after that, take my dogs on a very long walk, which for me is between uh, one to two miles. And then I do that again in the evening after dinner for two to three miles. So it's a five mile day I've gotten. And that's just a base workout. I like to do other stuff besides just walking. So if you can, start to ease things in. Like if you like aerobics or tennis or golfing, you add that on top of the walking, you're gonna find yourself in great shape and you're gonna start seeing that your attitude's gonna shift and you're gonna start seeing things in a more optimistic way. Very true, very true. You, you have to work on that though. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so uh, yes, being a life coach myself, uh, mm, I, I know, uh, most of it actually, you know, uh, comes from your experiences, your reading, your uh, self-taught kind of things. And like I keep saying, you know, somebody uh, uh, wrote the management, which is way of life and documented it and sold it to people who were a little less advisor. So nevertheless, you can always turn a life coach too very soon. And uh, uh, no wonders oh. <laughs> I, would, I, I would see you, you donning one more hat there. So, uh, so uh, while, while you're doing this, how challenging are the present times for you or for your peers, for your staff, for people uh, who are in a similar kind of business, it may not be really the kind of business that you are, but yes, pertaining to maybe real estate in general. And uh, is it really affecting the morale? I'm sure with the you know uh, pockets kind of uh, getting emptier, it would be getting difficult for people. So how, how challenging are the times yeah. and how do you plan to coping up on them? Well, I, I've told people that I've been helping that there are always creative ways to find financing. That is my border collie <laughs> making a funny little sound. But, and he's right up here on the sofa with me. Uh, being creative and getting financing. Now you're in a different country, so I'm not quite sure what the financial setups are like there, but there is a lot of opportunity still here and okay. money because our interest rates have really dropped low. This is the time to try to get a loan if you're going to get one because you're going to lock in a very low interest rate. So they like to say, this is when you can get cheap money. Um, and if you have debt to move your debt, do some sort mm -hmm. of uh, 
where you move it into a, a lower interest rate product or if you've got properties to refinance at this time, which is something I'm in the process of doing. I'm doing a refi on a duplex. Oh, great. And so, oh, great. yeah. So there are ways, but the, the biggest challenge is for some people at the, when this first hit, they didn't see it coming and they didn't have a reserve. And I work primarily with brick and mortar. And so some of these businesses, unfortunately, they, many of them bailed before it was too late and they just canceled out their leases and took down everything and held major sales to get rid of product or, you know, they gave letters out to their uh, clients so that they could uh, basically figure out what they're going to do next. So they close their companies, which is sad. And you'll see a lot of that. Like I'm walking around the city many times and that's what I see are a lot of closed stores here. And um, it's too bad because if they had put a little money aside as a buffer, it would have given them enough time to get into a loan or even the um, relief funds that the government has said that they had for people. Unfortunately though, with the government, they were very slow in their response and also slow in getting these funds out to small business owners. And in my case, as a owner of residential income property, I'm a small business, but they don't see landlords as a business where they would give relief to for some reason because we represent people's living and where people are going to uh, make their lives. So for some reason, that's ignored out of the equation. I've managed to get my funding through different uh, creative sources, as well as the refis, where I've taken cash out. And so luckily I was ahead of it. I was doing all this before COVID even hit. It was just timing. All, all those, there. all those, all those people in the region uh, who've not been very smart may still look up uh, to you. And uh, yes, you all know if you are listening and watching, then uh, you know who where to head to if you want to kind of learn to manage to do business in these trying times. So, well, uh, I I know our friend there is very eager. That goes to tell me you also animal lover. And you are also, oh, yeah. also, <laughs> and you've already spoken about the environment. So would you like to tell us something more? I mean, are you doing something related to animals or in generic terms, uh, are you doing something more to uh, kind of, uh, you know, guide people through this uh, environmental issues that we have all around, be it even, I mean, let's look at pandemic. I, I sometimes feel that it is, you know, nature's uh, wake up call for all of us. So what is your take on those issues? Well, the wake up call is that some people unfortunately don't believe in climate change, but the science is real and it is really happening. Uh, through public education, our outreach, we're, we're science based. We tell people the difference between greenwashing and science yes. 
where they'll take uh, an issue and maybe exaggerate it. Uh, there's things that happen in Australia with the fires that there was a lot being put out about koalas being endangered and on the endangered species list. Well, it was hyperbolic language because they're not, they're not really endangered. Uh, there's still um, the threat of fire. So understanding how to read data and follow scientific journals is really key to understanding what's really going on and pulling yourself away from potentially being drawn in by false news and greenwashing. Very true, so very true. That's part of that. that yeah. Interestingly, that reminds me of the fires in California itself. And uh, um, I'm sure I haven't really followed them up. So uh, how, I mean, uh, I would want to ask it in a positive way, how uh, impactful has that been in a positive way as to uh, talking of the wake-up calls, I mean, in terms of the well, people's I, awareness I, or I, in terms of the administration and the government? Yeah, well, I, I've been hit by it in a personal way. I have a lot of relatives that live in uh, Northern Ooh, California in the what they call the wine country, Sonoma Valley. And mm -hmm. my relatives did have to evacuate. And okay. then they were told they could go home. And then shortly after they went home, they were told they had to evacuate again. Mm -hmm. So they're just now settling back into their home and their, their routines. And it really did throw things off for them. And because I'm a relative, I got to hear blow by blow how difficult it was. I also have a personal friend that lives in Orange County in the hills, the foothills there, and there's been a major fire going on. And he was recently evacuated. So I think it was about four or five days ago, he was told he had to leave his house. So if your property is built in these natural, beautiful areas, Unfortunately, you face the fire risk here. Yeah, I'm, I'm I live in in a, the city, the city area. It's very citified, so I'm not having to worry about fire coming down here. But it's definitely something in the in the mountain ranges. I'm I'm sure that uh, you know they they must have gotten back to their lives, but yet uh, you know the kind of violation that you feel, maybe it is uh, uh, wrath of the nature, it still still takes time for people to get over and recover from there and uh, hopefully they would be recovering very soon. So when we're talking of uh, something related to, you know, environment and uh, ecological balances, so are you uh, helping people out in terms of starting some kind of eco businesses also? And uh, if you had already doing well, it, then how, how are they affected now in the present times? Are they really posing a challenge? Yeah, I think so. For uh, people going into eco-sustainable uh, business practices, mm -hmm. really starting in 2009, uh, here mm -hmm. in the United States, President Obama had opened they said the floodgates for eco-sustainable green businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, he kind of did, 
it, 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 there was some sort of a switch in policy that caused things to struggle and the funds were not there in the way that they needed to be. So a lot of people had like a false start. Mm -hmm. They started their businesses and then realized they couldn't really continue at the end of six months to a year. So many of them ended up closing. And the reason for this is that they're showing in statistics that for people going into eco-sustainable, it's more expensive as a startup. And it takes about a year and a half to really get yourself uh, established in a secure way. And once you are, then it becomes more cost efficient for the company. But it's that first year and a half that's the hardest. Many small businesses, just basic businesses, that first year is typically the big, the big thing hurdle in a sense to get through. But again, once they're through it, everything is usually pretty smooth sailing. All right. So, but uh, now in terms of working with people, yeah, currently with COVID, I think many people have gone into Shopify where they're selling a lot of their eco products online. Mm -hmm. And for some it's working really well because it's the way they've set up the store. Uh, and I'm working with a client right now who has Shopify and his organization is called World in Love. And I love that all of us being connected together and loving one another Very is uh, his thing behind there. But his store has not been doing work very well. And I take a look at that. I'm not a techie, but I am into the aesthetics, the presentation and how, what, what the ease of use is. And if the ease of use isn't really there, it's not that inviting. So I give very good advice and suggestions on what people can do to improve their system. Uh, I'm, their I'm website. Sure. I'm yeah. sure uh, yeah. people would certainly come to you for all those advices uh, and uh, whatever small little tidbits that they can you know pick up here in our conversations they would also come in very handy so uh, we were talking about your nonprofit so as a founder of uh, this t2g community uh, what are the challenges that you see uh, you know people facing in their life especially in their workplaces that is one area uh, that i look at you know and uh, and also working in the social projects uh, and with the communities or the societies, how challenging is that? I think there's there's still a lack of consciousness mm -hmm. in people's environments. Mm -hmm. When they see things that are an, a, like a public announcement about plastics, they recognize that. But when it comes to actually looking at the environment that they're living in, either uh, in their work environment or at home, many people don't recognize that these things that they have in their homes are also part of the picture. So getting people to be more aware of the kinds of things that they're buying and then figuring out other alternatives that are gonna be less impactful to the environment. My, my biggest thing that would make me very happy, there's a debate about this, is creating a closed loop system. Okay. Meaning that nothing is really going to go into our waste system because everything is gonna be either 
uh, re recycled. Uh -oh. Just what you don't want to have happen as a call come through. Um, so recycling it or being able to keep it and or hand it down to people or drop it off at a thrift shop where they can resell it. So if we're doing a little of that, but if we work on the innovative part with packaging, that's going to get us closer to that closed loop. That's Some people are saying they don't think it's possible, but I, I do. I, I really think it is possible. Uh, I'm, I'm very sure if you look at yeah, if you look at it carefully and uh, you know and if you are building an ecosystem which can cert sustain you know whatever are the kind of uh, outputs that would come in from a business um, it should it should be able to I really don't know but uh, yes uh, among the qualifications that I have I am a, a marketing graduate by the way surprisingly I did my master's in uh -huh. business administration administration in marketing and uh, I was oh. donning this uniform where so I said okay let me pursue HR too and then then slowly I took my callings but marketing is uh, ever interesting to me so uh, now coming okay. on to the other aspect which is the buzzword around today. Uh, the crisis brings in stress and uh, there are multiple challenges as such that people face in their professional and their personal lives. So which yeah. does tend to uh, affect not only people who are very balanced uh, or very educated in terms of really educated or very successful, yet it affects them. And uh, stress leads to another aspect, which is depression and the other fallouts that happen. So what is your take on the uh, aspect of this depression, stress for with the successful and not so very successful people? I think that it has to do with, again, our attitudes about things. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. talk about trying to understand how your brain works, the actual anatomy of our brain and understanding what each part of that brain does and how it works together as a system before you even start meditating to just understand also at the front of our brain, they call it the frontal lobes. Uh, the left side is basically where a lot of the negative stuff happens. And then on the right is your positive. And it's really, when you're meditating, it actually helps to balance that out. When they're talking about being grounded, it really is happening. There is a balance happening in the frontal lobes. And this is where you can move into more of a euphoric state and be in that happy place when you're doing a meditation because it's actually working on that area of your brain. So uh, you've heard the thing, the endorphins and all that, it starts coursing through and you get a much better attitude. So if you're doing that first thing in the morning, for me, it creates a clean slate. So you realize you're human, you do the best that you can each day, you go out into your day, optimistic and happy and at the end of the day whatever didn't work out right 
you leave it behind through meditation, you let it go, you release it. I do a nighttime meditation before bedtime. So you release it and you can do meditation and prayer. They go, can go together. Some people think, oh, you're, you're doing some sort of spiritual thing and it's separate. I'm a, I'm a Christian or I'm a, a Buddhist or I'm a Muslim. And that's not necessarily uh, true. You can do these things together. So you move out of um, the day through releasing. And then the next morning you start again with a new meditation and you can bring out affirmations into that. And if your meditation, like I said, happens to be taking a really long walk in the morning, uh, you can still do the benefit of an affirmation as you're walking. Excellent, excellent. So I, I yeah. go ahead. So, and, uh, no, no, I, I said uh, while, while uh, these, are, these are seriously uh, that stuff which people would love, is there anything which is, you know, even lighter and which helps you push through your worst times or very difficult times? lighter i think for me it's always been exercise oh if i'm feeling stressed oh. out even in the middle of my day after being with a bunch of contractors and i take a break at usually around one Excellent. or two i i will take a very long walk and just that's why i love photography if people go to my facebook profile okay. to see a lot of my stories it's really my photography that I'm taking as I'm walking. So for me, that is a big thing. Moving, getting excellent. your body moving. Excellent, excellent. So so anyways, uh, this is again, uh, slightly difficult for people, but this is what we have in common. And I would uh, you know, think of those times when I was working very hard and I would have very long days. I was working in one of the very high offices of the uh, bosses of the air force we call them the uh, commander in chief at particular places so i was the staff officer and i would uh, that is where i i have always been a fitness freak yet i thought of uh, you know maybe you know after a long day's work maybe take a have a drink or maybe look for a, a small little glass of wine and then i realized what exercise can do to you oh wow i mean and the science was very simple it lets you pump in more oxygen, your head clears, your heaviness in the head goes and all that stuff. So I'm very sure that all these tips will come in very handy for uh, people who would want to look at. And the uh, most important thing, which I have noted down is releasing. Oh, whatever you've, your day you've had, let it go by. You know, there's going to be another dawn tomorrow and you would have a fresh start again. So, uh, and in all these times, uh, did you have a moment or a time uh, where you still felt that things are not going through? And then what is that one thing or one aspect which made all the difference and you came out a victor? Okay. I, I would say I went through a divorce in 2012 and it threw everything off for me. I wasn't expecting it. And I ended up trying to figure out how I was going to continue with a nonprofit. And a friend had made a suggestion, you're 
a person just like everyone else and think about a theater where when a theater is not actually showing a performance, they make it dark and they'll say the theater's dark for a little while, but we're coming back for another production. So I put that announcement out to everybody that I was making the nonprofit. I said, it's like a theater. It's going to be dark for a little while, but we'll have some other things coming up in the next couple of months. And that worked. People said, well, that's so clever. I love that you said theater. <laughs> and so they, they liked that and it actually reflected in a positive way. Uh, no, that's, so that, a, that's, that's an excellent metaphor and an analogy to state there, you know, a theater which will, which will be dark for a while. Oh, I'll remember that one. So uh, when, when you say that, uh, any, any other aha moments or any moments of small little embarrassment that you would want to share with us, which I call the awkward moments? Oh, awkward moments. Uh, let me see. I, I'm... I'm just thinking about the aha moments. Okay. A lot of things that happened to me when I was very young. I mm -hmm. was a very industrious kid. And I was the kid who went around the neighborhood and knocked on everybody's door and said, can I help you? <laughs> Whatever you need help with, if you want me to mow your lawn, I will do that. I will pick up uh, the trash in the front of your yard. If you need your house cleaned, I'll clean it. And I would get other kids in the neighborhood to help me. And they uh -huh. would say, how do you want to be paid? Mm -hmm. And I would say, just pay me with candy. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about money. It was just pay me and, with the candy. And they would, they would, they would yeah, get you ahead. to do that? They would say, okay, come, okay, mow yeah. my lawns and okay, come and do the house. <laughs> And my, my mother was very uh, much into safety. So she knew most of the people that I was helping and she would make sure that they understood that it had to be sealed uh, candies. And there was, a one, there was one woman who had kind of the beginning of dementia and she had osteoporosis. So she was hunched over and she couldn't clean her house. So I would bring five kids into her space and we would just once a week, we, we'd clean it and she'd give us a bag of candy. And it was such a great experience. I really enjoyed that. Certainly. So the, the thing that I realized as a child, I, I just knew if I put my, my lemonade stand out and hang up my sign that I'm selling lemonade, I'm in business. It was that easy. And a lot of people get hung up with the idea of all the steps they need to take to start a business. You really can start it pretty quickly and you can be working on your mission statement and making shifts while you're doing it. So that was something I, I yeah. And, and that reminds me, uh, that reminds me to, you know, kind of add to that is that uh, it's probably uh, that work that, you, or maybe, that intuitiveness or that uh, quality that you had of helping others has carried you through and has brought you today where you're still helping people. And uh, there's nothing better than if you can solve problems for people. You know, you can help them, you can solve problems. Uh, that is, and slowly attach some technicalities of that mission statement that you said. Otherwise, if your mission is helping people and solving problems, I think 
your day is made and that is where you can take it forward the thing that made me sad is now during covid mm -hmm. there's a lot of things mm -hmm. that we can't do that we used to be able to do for example mm -hmm. i was eating something mm -hmm. that was very good it was i don't know if you've heard of mexican food mm -hmm. but it's us uh, we love it here i see it's not oh, okay it's closer it's closer closer to us <laughs> not as spicy but, as ours <laughs> yes <laughs> but the mexican food it, they they put chili in it and uh usually uh green or red pepper in there that gives it a nice zest and I bought myself a Mexican meal and I was sitting outside in this cafe and it was a lot of food and guacamole, they make it at your table, so it's fresh and delicious, but there was no way I could eat all of that. Now, pre-COVID, I would have them take the area that I did not touch or contaminate and wrap it and basically give it to a homeless person. I would find someone homeless and just say, here, enjoy this. It's fresh, just had finished it myself, enjoy the rest. Now, I was like, where do you go with this? I can't give that food to anyone right now. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Um, uh, Except I guess to my garden, I can give it to my garden, my compost. <laughs> No, uh, frankly speaking, uh, not many because we still haven't opened up to that state and uh, we are still exercising caution. So we uh, here people have started to order, you know, um, uh, things at home, but still not not many people are venturing out. And uh, oh, okay. and, and luckily uh, the way we were raised, um, so we were very careful before ordering. So we are little, you know, spendthrift there <laughs> so so okay so so uh just talking of covid and talking of other things so what is what is that uh, really makes your day what is that gives you immense satisfaction at the end of the day well i i kind of touch on this i've actually never been uh focused on money money is attracted to you when you're in the thing that you love when people pick up, it's genuine that you really, really are engaged and you love what you're doing, whether you made any money at it or not. It, it, it's, that is the interesting thing about it is how it will attract the money into your life. So I, I don't go out into my day thinking, oh, I, if a client needs my help, I, I usually will say, I'm willing to work with you on a sliding scale and whatever you can afford. And sometimes I've done things absolutely for free so that it can help that other person. And it's the relationships that we build, the long-term relationships, that's really important. And people feel they can trust you and they know they have a sense of who you are and what you've done for them. They're gonna come back and it is word of mouth. They're gonna share it with other people. So I, I get a lot of gratification from that. Absolutely. And uh, uh, the basics of actually the marketing are relationship building. That is what I feel. You know, it requires a good product. It requires uh, other strategies around it. But yes, I keep saying uh, your intent is right. There is love in your heart. Your content would be right. And if you believe in relationship building, 
nothing nothing like it so you've you've donned many hats you know you've been a speaker you've been an educator you've uh, you're working for the community and uh, you also a business consultant what next you still have a few things to accomplish or some of uh, vision some purpose still left out to achieve and uh, yes. and if that is there what is driving you towards that i i'm a person that loves experiences i'm a very curious mm-hmm. person and i like to try new things whether it be trying new foods mm-hmm. uh going to a different uh area of the the state in in california or when things open back up, uh, traveling uh, internationally, I love travel. Okay. So for me, I my future goals basically, I would like to do a TEDx talk. Most of my public speaking has been in the nonprofit sector, so that's always been there. Um, I still I'm participating in that, but unfortunately, a lot of nonprofits it's event driven. So many things are now virtual, which has been different. Uh, the other area for me is I still want to get some other degrees. I'd like to get a master's in biology, uh, ecological conservation. I'd also like to write some books, which I've written many notes. I was in a graduate program for, uh, they called it literary analysis, but my focus was on short story and poetry. So I, I have a writing background and uh, there's just so many things. I'd like to continue to uh, help other people through the consulting, which I launched my consulting officially about eight weeks ago. Okay. Where before it was just more complimentary. It was just something I was giving back to the community with. Excellent. Excellent. So, so uh, I know you live fairly fairly disciplined lifestyle and uh, you know the little that i have known you now uh, you are fairly a you know straight person you love to read you love to exercise you love to meditate you love to go for long walks uh, yet if you had to single out one mantra that has been holding you in good stead what would that be one mantra i would say it's really a prayer and okay. I, I am Christian. Yes. The Lord, the, but it, it could be your Lord too, or your yes, God. Yes. Good. The, I like saying the Lord is my light. Mm-hmm. The Lord is my light. And sometimes that's what I'm saying in my meditation. The Excellent. Lord is my light. And it, it helps to lift things and make me feel very good about the day that I'm stepping into. Absolutely, absolutely. And while while you were talking of spirituality, and some people kind of you know uh, kind of putting spirituality in the uh, bracket of religion, I I necessarily I I'm a Hindu by religion, and uh, yes, I do practice. Yet I and I'm a very strong believer. But even uh, much believer I am in the spirit and i call it sciences so spiritual uh, spirituality is actually science to me which is all around us it is all energy that 
created us you went to study biology and other aspects so you would know it there then that it is a mixture of uh, that physics and biology that we are all here so at the end of the day somebody calls it lord somebody calls it soul somebody calls it spirits uh, they all they all actually take us to the same goal and they are the light like you said so. they are the light yeah, and so 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 while while lord has been the light is there been a person uh, who's had a tremendous impact on you or you have derived your learnings from him or her uh, and uh, if there's been would you like to share something about him or her well when this is when i was a teenager mm -hmm. now my mother was a single parent at that time it was before my stepfather came into my life and I was active with our church and there was a minister there that he was all about putting the fund, certain amount of funds in for kids to experience the outdoors. And the way kids could get involved is their parents could either pay for them to go on these trips or they could write an essay as to why they wanted to be able to experience that trip and what kind of benefits they thought they would get from going on this usually they're wilderness trips. And he introduced us to the wilderness. We went into the outback. We were in the Sierras and I did my first major mountaineering through, through him. And we, we went to the top of Mount Whitney and we also trained and did more intense uh, hiking. Um, and they call it mountaineering because we had the crampons, the bottom of the boot, and we had to learn how to properly breathe for getting to the summit of Mount Rainier, which has 24 moving glacial plates. We were on rope teams, and that was an amazing experience. I made, I was the only girl in our group. There were four girls, and I was the only one that made it to the top. Excellent. So that's yeah. that's another another connect that we have. Uh, I don't do it anymore, but I'm a I'm a trained mountaineer. I did my basic mountaineering course way back, no. and then I did high altitude trekking, and uh, I also did uh, base camp, uh, oh, base camp to Everest, and and that's the that's the highest that I've done. And otherwise, they've been in Garhwal and Kumaon uh, Himalayas, but not anymore. Not anymore. Uh, now it's only limited to keeping myself uh, more or less fit in some which way. So it's it's really been uh, excellent to have you and listen to you. And there's so much, so much uh, we would really want to know more and maybe some other time. And we would certainly want you to come back and share some more when you have really established yourself uh, very oh, well. You. And, and you would have much more experiences to share with us. So, but before we go, uh, would you like to inform our listeners if they have to reach you and if they want to contact you, uh, where would uh, they do that? And we would certainly put all those things in our link uh, below okay. this. So please do go ahead yeah, and tell us. I Well, there's Transition to Green Community. It's transitiontogreen.org. That's the website. We're on Meetup, but this is in the United States. I also have a presence on Facebook. There's a profile on me for the consulting. Mm -hmm. And there's also... Uh, Transition to Green has a Facebook page. We don't have a nonprofit Facebook um, group, 
uh, initially we had, and then we decided it was more effective just to post the announcements through the page. So you can show your support there, even if you don't live here in the United States. Uh, we're holding a virtual, so you can join us that way. And we're, we're opening up more actually, so I think that's a cool thing. Uh, in terms of, uh, as a consultant, I, I really invite everyone to come to my page and participate with me there. And you can also reach out to me through Messenger, which is how we got connected. Yes. It's pretty easy. Actually, actually, technology has made uh, things so, so very uh, easier for all of us. So it, uh, we wish you all the very best in all your endeavors. And uh, we certainly hope that you keep all those things that you're doing. And yes, like I said, come next time around and share so many experiences with us. It was a pleasure having you here on our show. And I'm very sure that all those people who are uh, watching this and who are listening to this would have so many takeaways uh, right from living their lives to conducting their business or facing challenges. There's been so much learning here and I'm very sure that this certainly has been a meaningful conversation and has added much, much more value to the time of our listeners and people who are watching this. And so we will be back very soon with yet another guest and uh, yet another interesting episode on Know the Happiness How with Vinko Chow. Till then, uh, take good care of yourself, keep yourself safe, and yes, do keep following the protocols. And all those in the US, please decide who you're rooting for. <laughs> uh, Republicans versus Democrats. So it's bye-bye uh, from me, Vinkamada Satyendra Chauhan, your resident lifestyle coach from Bangalore, India. And yes, my lovely guest here, Diana Brandt from LA, California. So, yes, we sign Thank off you. here. We sign off here on this note. Stay peaceful, stay happy. Keep smiling, everyone. Till we see you again. Bye-bye. Take care. Ciao.